This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, the online sales master, Quinn Amorum. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest. Daniel Robert is a nationally recognized expert in the Medicare insurance industry. Daniel is a Medicare supplement accredited advisor and the past president of the Fort Worth chapter of the National Association of Health Underwriters. She is also a founding partner at Boomer Benefits. This is a national agency that specializes in Medicare-related insurance. Danielle also writes about Medicare and personal finance topics for Forbes, and she is a member of the Forbes Finance Council. So, Danielle Roberts, welcome. Is there anything you don't do, Danielle? <laughs> well, it depends on the day that you ask, but yes, it's been quite a busy ride, and it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Very good, very good. I've seen that um, your insights have been shared on places like Forbes, the Huffington Post, Reader's Digest, Money Tips. These are some of the biggest magazines and sites out there, uh, so you must know what you're talking about. I like to think so, and it's probably taken me all 14 years to get here, but we try to be as expert about it as possible. And of course, Medicare is a beast of a topic. Uh, you can imagine that we have so many seniors here, millions of them that age into Medicare and have never been on a national health insurance system before. And they need to have experts that can explain to them how this crazy stuff works. Yeah, that's impressive. I, I did see that uh, Boomer Benefits, is now over 40 has been going for over 14 years so when it comes to agencies normally uh, when somebody comes to any podcast doesn't matter how, how big or important that that agency is normally I'm expecting that to be two three years old but no you've been in this for 14 years so uh, well congratulations and we let's let's stop here for a second before we go into this what is Medicare? <laughs> so Medicare is the national health insurance system. It's a federal program here in America for people age 65 and older, and also for certain people under 65 who may have some disabilities. It was rolled out in 1965 by President Johnson, and it was really very needed at that time because in that back in that, those days, you didn't have the same type of individual health insurance policies available like we do today, they were much more limited. So mm -hmm. people would be afraid to retire because they didn't want to lose their health insurance. And we needed a solution so that people wouldn't be trying to work into their 80s simply to keep their health coverage. And the Medicare system is what they came up with. Okay. So basically, as long as you have a job, you are somewhat covered by that company's insurance. Is that right? Yeah, most companies in America do offer employer health coverage, at least the large companies. Some of the smaller ones may not offer coverage. And so we do have the Affordable Care Act legislation now that was passed a few years ago so people can buy coverage on their own if they don't have employer-based insurance. But as people get older, though sometimes they are no longer able to work. And other times, many of them just want to retire. They have plans to travel and do all the bucket list items they've been dreaming of all these years. And they want to be able to do that and not be worried about how they're going to pay their bills if something goes wrong. And we tend to have more health conditions as we get older. So it's important that we have a system in place where 
you turn 65, you're eligible for Medicare. Medicare is going to provide you your basic foundation of coverage. It covers about 80% of your inpatient and outpatient hospital needs. And then where we come in at Boomer Benefits is to provide the supplemental coverage that covers the other 20% that helps to cover the deductibles um, on the different parts of Medicare and also the drug coverage under Medicare Part D. So we help people with analyzing and figuring all that out. And one of the things I think that has been probably we can attribute a lot of our success to is we realized that before you can even talk about the supplemental products, which are our bread and butter and how we make our income, we have people coming into Medicare at 65 who've had their employers providing their coverage their whole lives long. So they go to a meeting, the employer says, here's two plans, pick one. And they're not making these big decisions about which insurance company to go with. And they don't have to study all the different plans. Well, when you turn 65 and you go on Medicare, it has four parts and 10 supplements. And there's literally thousands of drug plan options and advantage plan options. And so people really need education first on what does original Medicare provide me? What am I getting inside of my government benefits? How do those work? How much is it going to pay? How much is it going to cost me? And then, then once you help them with educating them on those basic things, you really can gain their trust. Um, the little light bulb goes off. They feel a sense of relief because they finally understand all this crazy terminology. And then you can kind of go into the products that are going to be needed for supplemental insurance without putting the cart before the horse. Wow. Oh, so, Danielle, how does somebody get into the insurance industry? What made you... Did you have a dream? I want to be insurance agent. <laughs> you know, I love this question because I'm pretty sure if you asked a thousand high school students, what do you want to be when they grow up? No yeah. one's going to say an insurance agent. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can remember back to those days myself and I certainly didn't think that and I didn't even think I would be in any kind of sales. So maybe I didn't really know where my aspirations truly were laying at that time. But I had worked in staffing for about 10 years and I was totally burnt out on that industry and was looking for a change. So a girlfriend of mine was also out interviewing for jobs and she came across an opportunity for a group interview where an insurance group was bringing in a whole bunch of agents to sort of talk about their program and hire them if they found a good fit. And I thought, well, you know, I'll go with her for moral support. We'll just hear about it. And when I walked out, I was like, this is the thing I've been looking for. Because I wanted to sell something, number one, that you can feel good about, that helps people. It's a product that people really need. But I didn't want to have something retail. I didn't want inventory. I didn't want to be in a restaurant where you have perishables. I was looking for the right thing that I could sell, that I could get behind. And, you know, insurance uh, is just a piece of paper that's making a guarantee to you, right? And this is something that you don't have to store on a shelf. You can sell it to your friends and family when you're getting started and kind of learn the ropes. And uh, the best thing about it uh, that was really appealing to me outside of the fact that I felt like it was something that people need and we could sleep good at night knowing we'd help them is that when you sell insurance, you earn renewals. So when that person's policy, they're paying their monthly premiums, the agent is typically getting a piece of that commission every month. So you can write a policy. And if that person is still on that policy a few years from now, you're still being paid on that policy. And that allows you to kind of slather on more and more business and you can grow your agency that way. And if you take good care of your clients, like you're supposed to, uh, when you have an insurance license, help them with the back end stuff, they will really stay with you forever. So I love the idea that I could continue uh, offering the product to new people, but all along I was still getting paid for the policies that I had sold in the past. Yes. 
So as you were uh, explaining it, I, I could see it right after, you know, when, when you're on this side and you get the explanation, I'm like, okay, yeah. So <laughs> it, it's like you just had a piece of paper that you could sell to multiple people, basically to unlimited people. And yeah. it was not something really visible, right? The insurance part is not visible. Yes. And at the same time, you know that it's going to have that compounding effect that 14 years later, you're going to have everybody that was served properly and stayed with you. And so that is, it's incredible. Yeah, it's a great opportunity. And there's low startup costs as well, because you just go out and get a license. You might pay for a three-day class and learn what you need to know, take your exam prep. And I, I tell often, we get lots of inquiries from new agents ask us, is it worth it? You know, how hard was it to succeed in this industry? And the startup costs are really low. So you can go out and get licensed and um, you're not having to put any inventory on the shelves. You can go right out with your briefcase and your piece of paper mm -hmm. and go and sell those policies to people that truly need them. Health insurance is something that everyone needs and you don't want to be in a position where you don't have it. So it seemed like a win-win for me all around. Perfect. And so there's low startup costs. Does that mean uh, there's lower risk of starting up? Does that mean you have never failed when it comes to that? I wish I could say that. <laughs> I wish I could say I never failed. But then again, if I had never failed at anything, we would have never succeeded this far. So when you start, you can literally sell out of your, you can have a home office. You don't even have to have an office building. You can go to clients' homes and meet them at their kitchen table and sell these products. If you're working with business products like group health insurance, you can go to the place of business and meet those people. So that's why the startup costs are so low. But I did make some mistakes early on. Probably the first mistake I made was I was a nervous entrepreneur, afraid to fail, afraid to start. Anyone listening today knows this feeling when you're brand new at this. And so because of your lack of confidence in that area, I partnered with a couple of people that I didn't know very well, and it quickly fell apart. So we had all different work ethic. We had different end game goals in mind. Some of us wanted to invest all of the money back into the company every month, and others of us didn't. And I quickly could see that if I kept going down that road, I would eventually have resentment because I felt like I was out there pounding the streets, and I wanted to invest all those dollars back into the business and not everybody was able to do that same thing. So fortunately we all came together and said, this isn't really working out. And I moved on and started an agency with my brother who has the same work ethic that I do. And he was working in mortgages at that time and really burnt out on it. I said, you need to come do this with me mm -hmm. because you're selling a mortgage, you get paid and it's done. You know, I'm selling these policies and I'm being paid on them forever. And you know, it's something where you're helping people. And I don't think you're getting as much of that out of the mortgage industry. So he came on down and that was a, a big failure that I was able to write by just getting the right person in here to do it with me. I also think if I hadn't had him uh, just working with those other couple of agents and seeing that I had partnered too quickly without understanding other people's goals and ideas, I would have just done it on my own because I thought, hey, I can do this now. And I think when you're new and you're just first starting to be an entrepreneur, those fears can overwhelm you. So I would encourage anyone just to take a deep breath and, and know that you can do this. You don't necessarily have to have a partner and especially someone that you don't know. But if you do choose one, you want somebody with a really good work ethic who has the same type of ideas on money and capital and cash flow 
that you do. And fortunately for me, my brother said yes and came down here. And now here we are, you know, almost 15 years later with 50 employees. And we've been in a really good spot with that. So that was one of my early failures. And then, of course, along the way, there's marketing failures as well. I remember we invested like $5,000 into a radio spot and we got a big goose egg. Not a single lead came out of it. It was absolutely the biggest waste of money. We did direct mail drops and those didn't work. And so we were doing the online thing and it was working and we finally realized, okay, we don't need to keep trying all these other things. We're just going to invest more into this one marketing that's working for us. And we've taken that and run with it ever since. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you said your, your brother is still with the company right now. You're still together. Yeah, he oh. sure is. So we work together. Uh, if you have a sibling and you're thinking, oh my gosh, how in the world do you do that? I would tell you that at least, you know, at the end of the day, even if we disagree on something, we're still brother and sister. We're going to go to lunch. We're going to go to dinner. And it, it actually, for me, has been good because we have different skill sets. So I handle all of our marketing and public relations and payroll and bookkeeping and staffing because of my background. And he handles sales and management and finance and running running the bones of the company. Mm-hmm. And so because we split up the duties, we don't often have things where we come to loggerheads. That's not to say that we don't occasionally have a disagreement because we certainly do, but we work them out, you know, and at the end of the day, we're still family and we have to come to a solution that's going to work for both of us. And so far we haven't come across anything that we couldn't work our way through. Wow. And I, I got a, a question for you that I pr- I really want to know personally as well. And it's today, if we, if I launch, uh, I do e-commerce and if I launch a brand, I, I want to cr- get following for that brand and get, you know, uh, email lists and all that. And with younger generation, it's very easy to get huge followings very quick. Right. Baby boomers, I have tried on the path and I could have a Facebook page. Yeah. 20 followers. Right. So (laughs) I have a huge, uh, a huge audience of baby boomers. How do you get them to follow you and, and stick with you? Yeah, it's tricky. I know exactly what you're talking about when you put out a post and there's just crickets, right? (laughs) But nobody wanted to hear that. And I thought to myself, what am I doing wrong? Because I certainly had those days started our Facebook page, I think in around March of 2016. And, you know, I did probably what lots of business owners do in the very beginning is I put a post out every single day about Medicare, telling you all the things about Medicare and heard virtually nothing back. And what I thought to myself, wonder why no one cares about this. You know, I'm putting this information out. It's information that people need. So I sat down and just really thought through my own behavior. I remember feeling like I was watching or observing myself. I got on my phone and I thought, let's just think about what am I looking for when I'm scrolling here and what makes me stop and what makes me comment, like, and share. And I realized that the things that I like, I always were things of a more social nature. So I'm a huge animal lover, rescue frogs in my backyard every day from drowning in the pool. I mean, it goes far, but (laughs) I, Realize that on my scrolling, I would love to watch dog videos. And so Facebook serves up more and more animal videos because Facebook's engine and algorithm learns that that's something that I like. And so I thought when I'm scrolling along and I see something from the 80s, I always like and comment and share that because that's my generation. That's what I grew up with. If you're going to talk to me about the Breakfast Club or the Lost Boys, I'm going to be super stoked about that. And so I just thought to myself, well, if I was a baby boomer, 
what would I want to see? Would I want to hear about Medicare every day? Certainly not. That is the most boring topic in the universe. So how do I get my message in front of them, but also get them to enjoy being on our page? And what it boiled down to is you've got to serve up content that's of a social nature that people want to see, things that they're going to want to share. So some of the time you need to be putting up content that has nothing to do with your actual product. And you're getting engagement from them on things that they do like. So, you know, if you've got seniors, you can put out a post about grandkids. They're going to love that. If you're millennials, they're going to love something else. So you need to think about the age group and the demographic that you're working with. And then think about content that they're going to smile at, that they're going to enjoy seeing. And then Facebook is going to see that you're putting those things in front of them and they're getting lots of engagement. So once a week, then you can slide in a video about Medicare and they'll go ahead and watch it because they didn't see it seven times that week for one. And they also are getting more of them are seeing it than otherwise would have because Facebook sees how engaged they are with your other content. So they serve that video up to more people. And it's just common sense marketing and is what has worked for us. And that's how we still do it today. Now, of course, because I have such a large audience now today, I can serve up a whole lot more videos and much more Medicare content than ever before mm -hmm. because we have all the, the ball is rolling and everything is already in place. But when you're first starting and you're trying to get those first 10, 50, 100 followers, you need to be careful not to overwhelm them with your great product because mm -hmm. you think it's great, but they maybe don't want to see that all the time. So unless your business is something really cool, then don't overdo it with the business posts. Absolutely. And that's a great explanation. And you mentioned there, you have now 50 employees. Uh, so that is, that must be huge payroll uh, right about now. And yeah. how do you get new customers coming to your agency uh, now? Because there's a lot of people that already know about you. Mm -hmm. And I've been staying with you for the years, uh, right? Sure. Uh, how do you get the new ones? Um, kind of what are your marketing techniques to find new customers? Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways you can go about the insurance business. And I'm involved in a couple of online insurance groups with other agents. And I always love looking all the ways that people market. If you're brand new and you're starting an agency, you can certainly, whether you're selling car insurance or homeowners insurance or life insurance, health insurance, you're going to have friends, family, and people in your circle that are going to need those things. So you first want to start out by just putting your cards out there and letting people know what you do. Then as you are growing the business, you'll get a feel for what things are working for you. And like I said, we had tried in the very beginning, I cold called businesses. I literally walked up to the front door of industrial parks and handed my business card out and said, can I quote your group health insurance? And then later that led to doing individual health insurance, which eventually led to doing Medicare insurance. And now that's what we specialize in. But I went after the thing that I knew I could do without having to invest any money up front, which was just putting in my blood, sweat, and tears and knocking on doors and did that for about two years and it worked for me. But once we had some cash flow coming in, I really wanted to invest in online marketing. And I can tell you that at that time, this industry was more male dominated than it is today. And I literally remember where I was sitting in a, it was a, association meeting and I was talking about how I was going to build a website and I was going to sell sell these products online to seniors and they laughed. They, they thought that was so funny because they told me that seniors don't use the internet. They told me that uh, seniors only will buy from you over the kitchen table. 
They're not going to be able to understand it over the phone. And I was totally offended by that because my parents are both quite computer literate and they're baby boomers. And I really just knew that they're, if they're out there buying car insurance online, if they're not there yet with Medicare insurance, they're going to be there pretty soon. So we really just invested everything into our website. We've done so much search engine optimization. All the social media that we do is supporting that. We drive traffic to it from Google and all different types of other methods, but we really focus on the online marketing. So if I was starting all over again today, I would start with my friends and family, build up a little bit of a commission base, Mm -hmm. and then I would go online and buy leads. There's companies that will sell you leads that you can work. They gather these and you pay for them and you don't have to sell all of them. You know, if you buy 10 and you sell one, you're going to make enough profit on that. You can invest in the next round of leads. So For us, that's really where the marketing has been at. But I know quite a few agents that still do working by neighborhoods. They'll drive up to a neighborhood and go around and knock on doors and offer products that way. I know agents that do mail drops. I know agents that hire telemarketing people out of the Philippines to -hmm. call and get them their appointments. And there's a bunch of different successful business models. So you have to think about the one that's going to really work into your style. And for us, that was online. But uh, and like I said, I know plenty of agents that do other things and, and seem to be quite successful with it too. So there's a number of different ways that you could attack it. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, every industry that uh, we can think of, there's always some sort of myths, right? Is there any myths that you know of in the Medicare industry? Yeah, the one about seniors not using the internet is probably my biggest one that mm-hmm. I just thought was a real problem. But I've even noticed because the content is so complicated with Medicare, uh, not always, agents aren't always familiar with what they need to know to sell the plans. And in fact, the federal government has has stepped in to fix some of that. And they've made it now where here in Texas, you've got to take an eight hour course and you've got to pass an exam at the end before you can sit down with the consumer and be able to offer them those products. And even agents that go through all of that training, I sometimes will hear them or see them in some of the groups giving wrong advice about things. So for example, we can sell Medicare Advantage plans to seniors, and this is a type of product where they don't pay anything more for the plan than they do for their original Medicare already. But agents and consumers alike get that wrong, and they think that because the plan has a zero premium, they don't have to pay for the Medicare either. And I just, I just caught an agent the other day telling someone, uh, was not one of my employees, but I corrected them online, hey, the Medicare Advantage plans, you don't get to skip paying for Medicare. And a lot of the consumers get that wrong. So probably with Medicare, you are never going to stop learning because it is this huge government beast. And you've got to dive in in those first six months that you work in this market. You've really got to study. You need to learn. You need to dig in and educate yourself in any way possible because it is a lot of rules and regulations. And if you don't know it very well, you could advise someone incorrectly and really get something wrong for someone. Mm -hmm. So you've got to put in your homework and and make sure that you do all the reading necessary, take the continuing education classes that you need to get a mentor. That's another thing that I did early on is I asked one of our broker reps through a certain insurance company, if he knew anybody else that had been doing this longer than me. And he introduced me to a lady that had been working in the Medicare market about two years longer than me. And she and I got together for lunch once a month and I called her with my questions and it was one of the best things I ever did because she knew more than I did and I was able to rely on her. So that's another great way is, you know, try, don't, don't believe in this myth that you have to go it alone. There's lots of other people out there and there's plenty of business for all of us, right? So 
find someone that's going to show you, learn what you can from them. And then in a year or two, do that yourself or someone else that is new and pass it on. Absolutely. And uh, that's, that's a great point to find a mentor for the longest time uh, in, in my own niche. I figured because I started too early and there was no, no YouTube or nothing to, to actually copy people or to yeah. learn from people. I started doing it myself and then got to a point where I didn't want to ask anybody because I've been there longer. I was supposed to know it. So I yeah. wouldn't. And when I finally let go of that and I let the young kids that are doing it for not, not even half of the time I've been, let <laughs> them teach me, I, you can grow so much faster, right? Because there's, yeah. there's new things that we don't know and everything changes in, in every market. So, yeah. yeah, sometimes you have to swallow your pride a little bit and say, hey, there's even some things that I could learn. Absolutely. <laughs> so when it comes to Medicare, there's um, not everybody can get it, right? Do you have to apply for it? And is there certain things that you may not get it? So as long as you live in America and you've been here continuously for five years, so even permanent residents can qualify for Medicare, at 65, you you definitely can enroll. Now, the thing is, the cost is sometimes prohibitive. So with Medicare Part A, which is your hospital coverage, if you've worked at least 10 years in the United States, you've paid taxes that have gone to kind of prepay those benefits. And then when you sign up for them, they cost you zero. Well, if you haven't worked 10 years in the US, if you were a single person that was a homemaker, or you were a permanent resident who hasn't been here that long and hasn't been able to put in that work, you can pay for Part A, but it'll cost you over $400 a month. It's quite expensive. Mm -hmm. And then for Part B, the same thing, has a premium. So you can imagine if you were someone new here, a permanent resident trying to get Medicare and you didn't have the work history, you would want the benefits, but you would end up having to pay you know, somewhere over $500 just for the basic benefits, and that's before you buy your drug coverage and your supplement coverage. So although most people who are 65 do qualify for Medicare, there is a small percentage of people that don't have the work history or, or aren't married to someone who has the work history to be able to get it for free. And so that's where occasionally you'll have people that come in and maybe will do an Affordable Care Act plan and they don't make the transition over to Medicare because they don't have the work history to get it for a price that they can afford. Okay. And when you talk about uh, Medicare supplement, Mm -hmm. uh, this is not like those ingestible supplements. We're talking about something <laughs> different, right? Boy, that would make my job a lot easier. <laughs> I wish you could do it that way. But that's correct. It's a policy that just supplements what Medicare pays. So if Medicare is paying 80%, this policy is going to help you pay some or all of that other 20%. It might. There are 10 supplement plans that you can choose from, and you can buy one that's really full coverage where you literally would never pull your wallet out. You wouldn't pay anything at all very Canada style, where you would just go to the doctor or hospital and you don't have to spend any money. And that's the most expensive one that you can buy. And then there's ones that are more what we call consumer driven, where somebody says, you know, I don't mind paying a little bit of a deductible or I don't mind having a doctor copay. I would like to have a little bit lower premium and I'm willing to take on some of that risk myself. And those policies will be less expensive. So we sell supplements kind of within that spectrum. And the consumer can kind of tell us which one they feel will be the best fit for them. And then we quote that plan, try to find one that's in their area that's going to be affordable for them and work for their needs in their budget. Okay. 
And now, as as an outsider, and uh, because I am I am in Canada, there's a lot of things that I don't know. Mm-hmm. And though, is there if you live in the U.S., is there training for the people that say when you go to school, do you learn about these things, or people have to actually go out of their way and Google certain things to to learn it? They totally have to go out of their way to learn it. In fact, I say all the time, I've been saying this for years, I think there should be a class when you turn 50 that says, hey, you need to go to this day, go dial into this webinar or show up at this building and you're going to learn everything you know about Medicare so you have 15 years prepared for it because so many people never even contemplate it until they're 64 and a half and now they're retired or they're getting ready to enroll and they have no idea how it works. But most importantly, there's a big myth with people thinking that it's free. That would have been a good one for me to answer earlier when you asked about Medicare myths. People just assume that it's like what you have in Canada or Britain. They know it's a federal health program. So they spend their lives thinking they're going to turn 65 and they'll no longer have to pay anything for health insurance. And that's not the case. You pay for Part B, you pay for Part D, and you pay for supplemental coverage. If you don't have the supplemental coverage, you're going to pay 20% of all of your outpatient expenses. And that can include things even like surgeries or chemotherapy, which would be breaking the bank. So a lot of people are not aware of that. And I wish that there was some way that the government communicated that to them earlier but it's really on on the consumer. So they need to sit down when they're 64. I tell people, start six months to a year out. Go to the Boomer Benefits website, read everything you can. Go to Medicare's website, medicare.gov. And then fortunately, today we have YouTube and there's a lot of uh, agents on there like myself who Mm -hmm. do videos and teach and you can go there and learn that way. And so by the time it comes for you to sign up, you at least have some of the basics down. You know what you're going to be spending for the basic benefits. You kind of start to get an idea whether you would want to go with a supplement or an advantage plan. You're going to need an expert probably like myself to help you get quotes and finalize a policy, but you at least have the basics down ahead of time. When the people wait to the last minute, and we certainly find those sometimes, they call the day they're turning 65 and wondering what they're supposed to do. They're under so much more pressure and it's a lot more stressful for them because there's a lot to learn and it's a short learning curve that they're going to have to learn it in. So do yourself a favor and learn it early. Start that process six months to a year out so that you don't get put in that position. Exactly. And for the, for those of you that are listening and you want to know more information at the end of the show, we're going to give you Danielle's contact and her agency's contact. So you can, can know more about it. But until then, if you're driving, just, Keep on going. Don't pull over yet because at the end, I'll uh, I'll give you the links and I'll have them on the show. So, Danielle, you have gotten a, I, I'm not even too sure how to pronounce it, but it was a Edna, Edna Service Superstar Award. How do you pronounce yeah. that? Yes, Service Superstar Award from Edna. That's correct. Edna. All right. So what is that exactly? So they put together this program one year where if you were someone that had community service, Mm -hmm. you could apply for this award. And then they actually flew us all out to Palm Springs and awarded an actual award there. And they provided some really good training all about the carrier itself and the products and the market that we're in. It was really a great event. I got to meet some other amazing agents there. But we just Mm -hmm. talked about community service and I've been involved in a number of things over the years. And I also talked about all the time that I was putting in with the National Agents Association 
going out and doing continuing education for other agents and helping them to learn. And so I had a number of things like that that I was able to put together and show them that, you know, I'm not just an insurance agent out here slinging policies that we actually do have a program here. where We care a lot about the people that we work with and we try to give back to our community. So that was a great way to be recognized for something that we were already doing anyway. And we had a pretty fun experience out of that. The insurance industry is quite famous for putting on, you know, lavish trips where you can do so much production and they send you to amazing places like Budapest or Costa Rica. And those are all production based. But that particular award was one that was all about service to your community. And in fact, it was such a neat idea that it kind of inspired us. And we came back and later recreated a scholarship for baby boomers who are returning to school. And one of the scholarship requirements is that you have done some sort of community service, preferably to the elderly market. So you might have been a guardian for someone, or perhaps you you give service to your local nursing home or community center. Maybe you run the bingo at the senior center in your town. These are all things that people can be involved in with elders and making their lives richer. And we included that as one of the tenets to qualify for the scholarship. And it's been really great to have all these students who are returning to school age 50 or older, needing money and funds for their scholarship and, you know, being able to just read about some of the amazing things that they do out there in their own communities. So we kind of learned that little bit. We took that from that service superstar award that we won ourselves and said, wouldn't this be great if we did our own program and we came up with a scholarship and, and built that in. Wow. Do you know uh, the numbers of how many people are in that? How many people are in Enrolled in that um, scholarship? So, so far we have awarded that, I think for five years running mm-hmm. and it's a thousand dollar scholarship and the deadline is always in August. So actually coming up, if we have any baby boomers listening and you're, you're going back to school, go to our website and you can apply. So I get probably close to a hundred applications every summer and we have to whittle them down to one winner, which is really hard to do. And we've had just some really amazing people that finally, after putting all their kids through school and working all these years, now they're 50 plus and they've finally decided to go back for their own degree. It's super inspiring stories. I love doing the scholarship program because they're just some really amazing baby boomers out there that are getting their their own second chance, you know, and we can be a part of that. Absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of people that, uh, either don't have the chance when they're younger to do it or don't have the right mindset. And then as they grow older, I am one of those cases. I love to learn now. And when I was younger, there was no chance. I I did not want to be caught reading or learning anything. (laughs) So yeah, now it's one of my favorite things to learn, listen to podcasts and books. So I, I can see it. I can see why you get a hundred letters or, or applications. Yeah. Cool. And uh, the, that site that uh, Danielle mentioned for you to check it out is boomerbenefits.com. Yes. Danielle, what is next for Boomer Benefits? Where are you going to go from here? So with this type of industry, you always have the opportunity at some point to sell. You can sell to a bigger agency than yourself. And we're really not there yet. We just love what we do. We have great employees here. The service team that we employ 
they blow my mind with some of the things that they help our clients with and make their lives easier. And so we actually have just signed a lease on a new building, which will triple our current space. Wow. So yeah, we'll be moving in there in January and growing our team. There's 10,000 baby boomers every single day across America that are aging into Medicare. Those people all need help. And then the people that are currently on Medicare need help with renewing their plans every year. So it's a staggering population and we're not quite big enough to serve all of it yet. So for the time being, we're just going to grow into that new space and we'll reevaluate again in five years and see if we've had enough or if we're going to keep going. Uh, We tend to be, maybe this is what a lot of entrepreneurs feel, but we tend to be of the mindset of what will we do with ourselves if we didn't have this business? Mm -hmm. So we're just not ready to, to exit yet and we'll keep on trucking. Well, that, that is super exciting. So at the, at the new office, as soon as you mentioned, I start imagining, you know, like the Google offices where there's a ping pong table yeah. and people are hanging out. <laughs> are you going to have some sort of activities? Do you have that right now? Activities where after work you get together and build your relationship with coworkers? Yeah, sometimes we do a quarterly happy hour here. And of course, we have holiday parties. A few weeks ago, we sent our service team out for a night of uh, bowling and pizza, and we've done a number of things like that, but it will definitely be easier in the new building because in this building, it's a little older. We kind of made it work for ourselves, but this time what we were able to do is go and find a space that's completely open and then work with the landlord to customize exactly how that build out will happen. So we're going to have a much bigger, large break room, and we'll have hopefully a snack wall for the employees. And we're going to make it to where there's more space. There's definitely more light. We want the working environment to be more enjoyable for them. So it might not quite be Google, but we are going to be incorporating a few fun things into it, which will be a complete surprise to the employees. And I think they're going to really love. Nice. And uh, how about some sort of advice for people that are starting out getting into business right now? Uh, Doesn't matter if it's insurance or not insurance related. And a lot of people are afraid of failure, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons why I have the podcast is to show that successful people like you had to have failed at one point because it's just, right? There's a bunch of failures that we've got to do to, to at least succeed once. Not everybody is lucky enough to succeed at the first try. So mm-hmm. what's something, an advice that you have for these entrepreneurs? Yeah, a couple things that I would leave people with. The first is be careful not to compare your beginning with someone else's middle or end. I see this all the time because I get LinkedIn messages every single month from brand new agents who will say something like, wow, I saw your website. You're so successful. Do you have any tips for me? And sometimes you'll get one where I'm striking out and they're falling apart because they tried two days to sell a policy and nobody bought one and they're ready to throw the towel in. (laughs) You know, when you're looking and comparing yourself to an agency like ours that's been around and been established for a while, you're going to defeat yourself. You need to remember that even us, the ones that have these big agencies, I remember what it was like to be in a little two-person office and beat the street in my car and I was there. So don't compare where you're at today with someone else's progress that is ahead of you. You need to keep your blinders on and focus on exactly what's in front of you. And I always tell the entrepreneurs, ask yourself today, tomorrow, the next day was one thing you can do every day to move the needle. Just some one thing that you can accomplish that day that's going to move the needle for your business. 
And if you keep at that, you're eventually going to be successful just like we have been. We've just been doing it longer. That's the only difference, really. And then my second thing that I would always say that I see a lot of people do is don't get the shiny object syndrome because today, especially with this online world, you could do a million things, right? You can have a YouTube channel. You can have a podcast. You can have your own radio show. You can design a website. You could sell products online. You could sell the product that you have. You could literally, I, I think of new business ideas almost every day. And you see me chasing down none of them. I just stay with what's working. And I know that no matter how fun this new project might be over here, if I put that same time and energy into what's already working and I double down on what's working, I'm going to earn more money and have more success from that than chasing off over here for this one little thing. We get lots of requests for people that you know want to pay us to do sponsored posts or they they want to have us come out and train people and we you know we're like nope we don't do all those things we just focus right on the things we have going at home so don't chase the shiny objects get your niche and stick to it don't compare yourself to others and eventually 14 15 years from now maybe 2 years from now depends some people have more rapid growth than others yeah. you will also be successful yourself yeah i love those two tips they're they're fantastic the the shiny object is is so common these days. Yeah. I I talk to entrepreneurs and you know how sometimes because I do online businesses we get to share the screens and like okay here look at this and look at this mm -hmm. and most of the people who share their screen with me have twenty tabs open on their computer <laughs> and I tell them there is no possibly no possible way you could be working on those 20 things at the same time yeah right so it, and i know it because i was there before too and now i i try my best to stay focused and do the the, the one thing that's actually one of the books i love the one thing and focus on that one thing until it's done or or keep growing that one thing so yeah i love, I love those two tips that's a really great point. If I if my brother saw me have 20 tabs open on my computer, he would he would shoot me. <laughs> he totally believes in just having one tab open and you're going to get that task done and then you go. So you that's such a great point because you could even have shiny object syndrome inside one of inside one day because you're working on this task and this task and this task and all three of them are going and none of them are getting done. So exactly. really really good points and to avoid the too many tasks and too many shiny objects. Yes. Yeah, so Danielle, uh, you're probably the only person that could, with a smile on your face, talk about Medicare and insurance and make <laughs> this uh, actually fun podcast. So for those of you that are listening and, and you read the title and you were afraid like, oh, maybe this is going to be a boring subject. So there you go. You can actually have a smile on your face when you're talking about Medicare and insurance. It could be super fun. So thank you, Danielle. That is My it. pleasure. I sure enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, before you go, let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find Boomer Benefits, and, uh, and yes. I'll, I'll put it on the show notes. So you can find us at boomerbenefits.com and pretty much any social media that you go on, you can find us there. We have Boomer Benefits, Boomer Benefits on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, all the social media were out there. Even though seniors aren't using some of those yet, someday they will be. So we're staking our claim on those different pieces of social media now. And you can connect us with there. And then on LinkedIn, you'll find me with my native name, which is Kunkel, K 
K-U-N-K-L-E. So Danielle Kunkel, if you'd like to connect with me there. There you go. Very good. I'm looking at it right now. And Danielle, you mentioned you had something for the audience. Yes. So we are putting together a freebie that is all about a, a lasting marketing message. And I forgot that I needed to send you that URL, Quinn. So I will shoot that over and mm -hmm. you can put it in the show notes. And it's just a little PDF that I put together about being authentic in marketing. And if you keep those things in mind, when you're starting with the social media and you're there are those days that we talked about where you have the crickets and you just remember to be yourself, those tips that I put together there really will help you when you're putting together your live videos and when you're writing the things you need to say, if you just stick to being yourself, that is really what works in social media. So I will get that over to you so that you can share that with your listeners. Awesome, perfect. I'll have it on the show notes. So for everybody listening, it will be under Fellfast Podcast forward slash Danielle Roberts. All right, Danielle, thank you so much. It was it was a pleasure, and uh, we'll, thank you. we'll probably have to do this again. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for subscribing to Failfast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story.